Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Come to you from underneath the peach blossom. It's time for an episode of Be Awesome. Find positivity throughout your life and work. Just like our mascot rooster, Steve the Jerk. Hello, Be Awesome listeners and Operate Intelligently listeners. This is a dual shared podcast by yours truly, Joshua Peach, founder of Be Awesome and corporate evangelist for Dude Solutions. I'm excited. I've got a guest here today that I've had before. Uh, I've actually had twice, though actually so. technically three times with the panel uh, that you that you hosted. That's right. That's right. So uh, I've got the Dude Solutions CEO Ed Rossich with me today. We're going to dig in on uh, a number of different things, and this is going to be a take on the Dude Solutions. Who are you, and what do you do? Ed actually started this. Uh, a couple of years ago, and it was intended for uh, internal sharing of getting to know the team uh, at, at Dude. And to give a little backdrop and a little backstory, because I haven't shared it with the awesome listeners and operate intelligently, uh, you've heard heard me talk a couple of times, but a little bit of history on Dude. Uh, Dude's 20 years young. Uh, we started, I started here in 2004 as a door-to-door salesman, basically, for a company that had uh, less than 400 clients, less than 10,000 unique logins, and we basically provided a work order system for facilities and uh, with preventive maintenance. And today, you know, we have a a company that has 3.5 million uh, unique logins every day, 12,500 stamps, if you will, or logos uh, stamped all over the, all over the country. And in some parts of the world, we, um, we cover about 9 billion square feet in, in management of that space through our software. And uh, we're going to, what was it, 50 million work orders? Yeah, we process a work order about once every 1.4 seconds. And if you do the math, it's about 50 million a year. Yeah, so we've gone, we've gone places. We've, yep. we've become a, a pretty, pretty big player in the market. And, is, and for a lot, well, not, to, not to brag, but probably the player in most markets uh, in facility management software. And, and going from that, going from... Uh, a startup in a condo to 600 and yeah. employees with the, the, the number of folks that we support has got to be just uh, an amazing and stressful <laughs> opportunity for you. So we're going to talk about that. So first, welcome, welcome, Ed. I appreciate you Thanks, doing Peach. another another podcast here with us. I appreciate it. So let's let's start. Who's Ed? Who's Ed? Um, uh, depending on which personality that day you get when you ask the question, you know, I, got, I wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, I've uh, been the CEO here at Dude for a couple of years, been in the software space now for 25-ish. Uh, uh, married, couple of fuzzy dogs, uh, 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 endurance athlete, uh, author, um, voracious reader. I think that probably pretty much labels me. How much of that was easy for you? You know, I think uh, all of it has been uh, hard in its own way. Um, But, you know, I think 
it's sort of like lifting weights. You know, you uh, you lift a ten pound weight one day, you get good at that, you get to fifteen pounds, twenty pounds, and all of a sudden, you know, you're bench pressing cars or whatever. So, uh, the the struggle um, at the time is always hard, but then you look back and you you say, you know, dude up, man. Yeah. Well, the dude up is right, and and you know, for me. When I ask that question, is how much of it was easy to you? And it's not that I don't ever want to become a CEO for a company, but I was doing some some brief looking, and there's roughly 32.1 million businesses in the United mm. States today. That's corporations, S corps, partnerships, sole wow. proprietorships. There's a lot of there's a lot of businesses. That's that's a, a small um, dry cleaner to you know SaaS, IBM, Apple, Apple those those big companies. And um, I was looking, I was like, well, I wonder how many, not, not teams or anything, but how many people actually play basketball? It's 26 million. Uh, soccer, uh, 24 million, but 250 million worldwide, but 24 million in the United States. Um, baseball, 15.64 million. Football, there's about 2.2 million, or uh, 2.1 million that play in high school or college level. And then hockey in the United States is 562,000. So not just individual players, participants of professional sports that everybody says, oh, I'd love to be a professional athlete right. uh, someday. They actually have, you have a better chance of being a professional athlete than a CEO in a large company, or in some cases, in any company uh, that would des- be deserving of a CEO. But in a little bit more digging, there's about less than 50 companies that have the, the, the size and the scale and everything that dude has there's less than 50 in the United States that have a CEO, right? Yeah. No, I think that's right. Um, there's a, a, a survey that KeyBank does on software companies, in particular private software companies, and uh, the total that they've identified, it's like 425, and the dude is like 14th on that list in size. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty sizable yeah, I said fifty. I meant five hundred. So yeah, four twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so you're in a, you're in a pool of less than five hundred individuals that are running a ship uh, of of this size and magnitude in the United States. So you're in you're in small company and you're in your top level company, uh, breaking the top top fifteen twenty. Um, so t- I dis- I wanted to do this for a couple reasons. One, you did all these dude who are you and what do you do mm. for a number of months, and they were really cool. And you were digging into people and understanding who they were as a person. The other thing is, uh, this week you did something that I've never actually experienced or seen. And I'm very fortunate to know a lot of CEOs. And I know a lot of them get in the trenches and, and, and dig and do, do these things. But you did something really kind of, in my opinion, cool. Tell us a little bit about that and why. Yeah, so... Uh you know, the first two years uh, that I, I was CEO here, I'm coming up on my second year in about two weeks, um, I stayed in a, uh, it's not palatial or, or extravagant by any means, it's just an office like every other office here in the building, but up in a corner office on the fourth floor, you know, it's probably the right place for me to start. It was close to HR, close to finance. Um, uh, it was the office of, uh, of my predecessor, and so it just felt, you know, it was a good place to start. And then as, uh, as the first year or two uh, would go, you know, I'd find myself sitting in the breezeways. we got these breezeways that connect sort of like one tower of the building to the other tower. And I always enjoyed, you know, although I didn't get to do it as much as I'd liked, I always enjoyed doing that because I'd, I'd get to shake hands and 
people would walk up and, hey, I'm, you know, Jill from whatever department and, you know, uh, good to meet you. And so um, uh, I got the bright idea um, to, to move my office down to another floor of the building. And uh, I did that on Monday and it's, it's been crazy good. You know, it, um, I actually did something like this back uh, two jobs ago. I was with sort of a startup, maybe a late stage startup. We had about 115, 120 employees. We had this like one big massive floor and I was in an office and I felt really isolated and I was running the company basically as president. And um, I actually one day just said, F it, I'm putting my desk out in the middle of the floor, no walls. Um, I'm going to be in the middle. And it wasn't because I was like trying to micromanage anything, but it was just like, you know what? I, I you know, a hundred and some folks, I need to be really aware of what's going on, help here, um, you know, just get a vibe. And so as I was thinking about um, moving my office down to another floor, uh, the genesis of that that idea started, you know, back on that other job. And it, it's been great so far. Um, I've met uh, people that I hadn't met before. I've picked up, uh, you know, five or six useful bits of information that I didn't know while I was sitting up on the fourth floor that I've already started to exercise uh, uh, some help in some needed areas. And um, I, I've taken, uh, I, you know, I joke uh, with one of our, our directors, CJ, that, you know, I've taken a year lease out here on this floor and uh, some other neighborhood in the building is going to get me in about a year. Yeah. That, that was really something that I thought was, was really cool. Uh, but you, you touched on something that I want to dig on is what you, what you said, which is probably a lot of people's natural reaction, micromanage. Mm-hmm. Always doing this to micromanage me. First of all, you're a CEO that has to report to a board mm-hmm. that is responsible for 620-ish employees that are responsible for probably 2,000 families to feed, total you know, yep. support and everything else, family members. Um, it's even that, more, too, Pete Shot, sorry to take you off. Like, um, our owners, um, 87%, I think is the number they gave me, 87% of their investment fund um, is union pensions, teacher funds, college endowments. And so, um, as a CEO working for an investment group like that, and all the constituents you mentioned, you know, dude nation employees and families and partners. I feel a real like um, drive to make sure that we make money for those pension funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this your your play isn't like you're sitting in your desk like moving your fingers like this, being Montgomery like, Burns. Yeah, uh, where, yeah, where <laughs> Montgomery Burns, where's where's my money and yes. who's getting it for no. me? There's no intention mm-hmm. in that. Um, you know, and one of the things that I find that's interesting, just personally from my experience with you, I've been very fortunate, and I think it was. Um, I'll tell the story real quick, and you've heard it. You know, on October 31st of 2017, that was my last day. I rushed from, it was Halloween, I rushed from uh, uh, Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin, to Chicago to catch a flight to uh, to take my son trick-or-treating. My fiance was, was three, you know, third late in her third trimester pregnant, and I was taking myself off the road for the rest of the year. And we had a town hall on November 1st that morning where I didn't, think anything differently. The CEO founder that we had, I referred to as my best friend, uh, followed him and, and would stand in front of a train for him for, at that time, 13 years. And he gets up and he says, 
we've got a, a new CEO coming on board, and his name is Ed. And you came up and you and you talked for a few minutes. And I remember sending him a, an email while you were speaking. And I said, "Is this the guy? You know, is this the guy that that you want that to, that's going to do that, that's going to take us to the next level? Uh, because we have to grow, right? Companies. I, when I had a water business." Uh, spring water delivery business. My dad and I used to talk all the time about it, and because uh, we were, we worked together, and you know he used to always say we have to keep growing, we have to keep growing, because if we don't, we'll die. You know, if you stay at that same level, it, someone will eat you up, or you will go out of business, or eventually just through yep. attrition or whatever, you're going to lose, you're going to lose business, and you're going to die. And so I did a lot of research. I mean, I was off the road. I had time. I think I texted you uh, that Saturday. I think the the first was a Thursday, and I texted you that Saturday from the Fuller Craft Museum uh, sitting outside reading your book. I downloaded it. I couldn't wait for it to be delivered so you get to know who Ed is. Mm -hmm. So you authored the book, The the, uh, Solid Handshake, uh, 13 Principles that you've lessons and learned stories that you've got Mm -hmm. uh, about business integrity, just life integrity, really. and I got to know you throughout the last two years and, and you know, going and getting some windshield time with traveling and um, getting some speaking engagements. And I've watched you grow. It's kind of interesting to have someone say, I've watched my CEO grow mm. and be able to share it. But I watched you grow from talking about what we do to truly living and understanding and really emotionally tied. Your your presentation next week's going to be lights out. Like I was able to see it, but you're doing a keynote next week in Massachusetts mm-hmm. for 150 facility directors for public schools in, in, in Massachusetts. And the, what you put in your PowerPoint, never mind what you're going to say, is passion. You believe in what we do, mm-hmm. um, absolutely, and, and and with massive conviction. And I think that that's something that people should understand and think about. And also, I challenge the listeners, if there's dude listeners or if there's people out there that, that they're knee-jerk when you said you moved your office to the sales floor or to another section, if their knee-jerk was, oh, he's a micromanager or he's this, to shift your thought process, to think maybe a little bit differently, right? Yeah. Maybe think, does this guy have my best interests at mind? Um, you know, you take, the, you take the biggest bullet, right? Uh, people don't realize that in, in businesses. Just because you're at the top doesn't mean you're at the top. You, it's an inverted pyramid. Yeah. You're a catch-all and then a report-all. And, uh, and, it's, and it's a tough tough. It's a shield-all in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine what you have in the back, you know, hidden, hidden in, the, in the vault, if you will, of things that you can't talk about or things that happen or stresses that go on, even making sure the lights go on in this beautiful building and, you know, all the way up to the fourth floor. I, I, tell me about, let's, let's shift gears. Let's, tell me about that. What, what, first of all, what got you to want to be in that position? It, you know, it couldn't just be money. I mean, I'm sure that that's a good piece, yep. a good piece to it. But, you know, what, what made Ed say, I want to be a CEO? And then what, what keeps you up at night? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the second question is probably easier on what keeps me up at night. Um, on any given day, there's 15,722 things. Um, you know, last night I went to bed at 8.30 or so and woke up at 11.30. And for those of you who got email messages through till about 3 o'clock this morning, that was because I couldn't get to sleep, um, you know, thinking about, um, you know, certain business issues. 
um, uh, challenges we have with the business, all of them sort of rooted in making sure we got the right people lined up uh, against the right problems. You know, there's a difference between um, losing sleep over puzzles versus losing sleep over stress. Like, even though, um, you know, I, I get insomnia sometimes, it's more about because I can't shut my brain off of, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? It's not stress, if that makes any sort of weird sense. It does, yeah. Um, uh, the uh, the first question, though, is what made me want to do this. Um, I actually, um, a, a couple of thoughts on that. I think people, um, every five years, go through a motivational source shift so think about it, when you're in high school, it's about I'm motivated to get to college or motivated, maybe not to college, but whatever, uh, you know, get your career started, you get out of college, you say, I gotta get my first adult job, that's a motivation, and then it's about money, and then maybe getting married or having a family, and then by the time you get to, you know, to be 45, you're probably back into how do I, how do I harvest all the knowledge and experience I put into my career to make sure, um, you know, I want to be so crass to think about money, but uh, think about, well, I got to make sure I, I, I feather a nest for my, my 60 and beyond years. So um, my, my, uh, my career arc uh, has sort of followed that same sort of path. And I always told myself, like, I'm not going to be one of those people that are like knifing people in the back to climb a career rung. Uh, to the next ladder, ladder step. Um, uh, if it happens for me, it'll happen for me. And I've been so fortunate um, and lucky in a lot of ways to be at the right place at the right time with the right people with the right skill sets. You know, uh, spent five years, uh, uh, five times I should say, with you know JMI Equity Companies. I went to another investment firm, then this one. Um, but people along the way have, have given me advanced responsibility. So I, I sort of ended up here. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like I, uh, you know, I wrote down in a book or something, I will be a CEO by whatever age. Yeah. What's that buzzing noise? Is that the coffee machine? I don't know. We, we, get, we opened Did up you, a dentistry next you, door. You, you found like, yeah, I was going to say, it's like, for those of you that hear that in the background, it's like a jackhammer and we're actually in the conference room next to Ed's office. Yeah, on so, the third floor yeah. too, which is sort of weird. Yeah, kind of interesting that, that this is the space that you got picked for uh, for you. It would give you the, the noisy jackhammer area. Interesting you say five years. I took five years to uh, graduate high school. Most people do it in four. So I would like to say that most people, if that's the case, didn't take their full five years to figure out what yeah. they want to do in that, in that stretch of time. It took me 11 to graduate college. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah, I'm still working on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out an honorary degree, I think, I'm, yeah. uh, at, at some point. But, uh, you know, something interesting. So I got here this morning uh, early, as, as, you, as you do. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm here, I don't have family. I don't have anything. Yeah. I think I shared with you, I got 30% of my sleep since Saturday. Uh, and one night, I missed the Patriots game, but I'm glad they covered the spread and won. Amazing. Uh, I fell asleep. I think it was a, a second, a little part into the second quarter, and they were tied 14-14. And I'm going, man, I, I don't think they're going to cover the spread, let alone – I don't think they're going to win, let alone cover the spreads, because the spreads have been crazy in football. Oh, sure. um, 16, I think it was 16.6 points, and they won by 19. Um, 
amazing, uh, amazing team this year, as it's been many years. Um, but I got here early, and I took your parking spot. I think I told you a little bit about you know, I took your parking spot because yeah. you have. A I don't park, have a marked parking yeah, spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just, but it's Ed's spot. I mean, you're the first. You're the first one here. Every every time that I come to the office, um, you're you're either here already or you're here within a matter of minutes. And if you didn't have an incident spilling your coffee this morning, uh, I think you would have beat me. Um, But I I talked to some young folks yesterday about understanding, you know, what your what your realistic expectations are. Mm -hmm. And the realistic expectation is for you to be able to be the leader of this ship. You can't come in at seven fifty nine. Eight o'clock, mm-hmm. and leave it at four forty-five to miss the Regency Parkway traffic. I right. mean, you're you're grinding, and you're here. I mean, you're you're visible. You're here. You're in meetings. You're emailing. You're doing all this stuff, and so you know, how do you? I guess one of the things is you know, working eight to five Monday through Friday. Sales is a little bit different. Most of your your roles, yeah. eight eight to five Monday through Friday. It's an expectation that's your performance. It's that's your time. get paid. It's game time. Get it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that people should in all in all aspects of life, but sales definitely because we're on the sales floor um, should be doing for practice time. So mm-hmm. talking about the Patriots, Patriots blew it out. They played Sunday, like two games in a matter of five days. That's a lot of work. Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick and the crew they didn't take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. Yeah. They were hit the field. They were working. They were training. They were watching watching um, videos. They were doing all this stuff. You know. Everyone should be building themselves professionally, investing in themselves. Absolutely. What are what are some what are some Ed's things that you've invested in yourself? What are some programs? What are some books? What are some yeah. podcasts? Like, what would you if if someone was coming into the workforce? Because it doesn't matter what. Yeah. I think I think the investment and the and the buckets of ideas, whether it's mm-hmm. professional development, personal, whatever. What are some some Ed's best experiences yeah. and suggestions? Well. Um, you know, it's so funny. Uh, I think you and I, maybe I uh, can remember five months or so ago, we were just talking about old school, you know, you'd pop the uh, Brian Tracy sales cassette into yep. your cassette deck in your car. Um, maybe you had a, a, a video or something like that to watch. But, you know, content is f- so available, so free, so prolific so many channels that you can access it um, and it's painless you know you could be listening to a podcast or a book on tape um, the audio piece of a TED talk all in the comfort of your car as you're driving in or while you're running or you know playing instead of watching uh, the news in the morning uh, you could be playing in the background Um, I listen uh, to at least 10 to 15 hours of podcasts a week. Now, I might play them depending on who's speaking at one and a half times, so I can shorten a little bit. Um, I read uh, voraciously. Um, one, it, it's entertaining to me, but uh, it's sort of like downloading new software into your cranium. You know, uh, I was, well, you were. You were here this morning. I, I copied a couple pages of a book to give to one of the guys because he and I had a chat yesterday. It reminded me of this book chapter. And, like, I, I you know, probably read uh, – I have a goal every year of 50 books. I'm probably uh, right on pace for that this year, and uh, you really try to do that. Um, I, I watch YouTube videos. I watch TED Talks. I also learn uh, from – 
from people who I work with, you know, uh, some of the people, all the people, in fact, probably, um, know more about their jobs and know more about their disciplines than I will as CEO, which is another misnomer. People think I know everything. Uh, I, I better not know more about developing code than our engineers, because that would we, we would be in a bad spot. Um, marketing, so, you know, you sign yourself professionals. I'm always learning from folks that I work with. So I think, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking to new folks, like, you, you know, uh, you say it a lot, uh, 168 hours a week, or, you know, I like to say 1,440 minutes a day, uh, man, carve out, carve out an hour or uh, every day to, to learn something. And that's the only way you, you get out there. The other thing I'd say is just get out there and experience it. You know, I think, especially in sales, there's call reticence. Oh, man, I, I'd, I'd rather uh, do something that feels good, like look up names than actually dial names. And, you know, in sales, you got to get your nose bashed in 50 times. And then that 51st time, you know, you hit the ball straight and long. And you're like, okay, that's yeah. cool. So, uh, so read podcasts, get out there. I think that's a balance, which is a, which is a great yeah. way to put it. Uh, because some folks will just say, well, I'd read 50 books. I need to read 50 books. And then the nose deep and they don't pay any mm-hmm. attention. Um, my books look like battle flags after I get done with them. They're marked up. There's blood and coffee stains yeah. on them, tears, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, and, 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 it, and it struck me on something. And it, my, my ADD is going to kick in a little bit here. On, on, you know, our noses are too much into this and not looking around and taking time. I met Jason Momoa this week, or didn't meet him. I, I was in the same press, you know, yeah, Aquaman. Yeah. So, uh, so I go in the elevator at the Admirals Club in, in Chicago, and and there's this entourage of people, and I, I kind of step back and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, man, that looks like Aquaman. Only reason why I call him Aquaman is my 12 year old is like he's fanatic for superheroes, awesome. and um, so I, we're sitting in the Admirals Club, and he's walking around like just among among everybody, and. I, I'm sitting here saying there's no way that can be him because nobody's approaching him. And, uh, and it was because everybody was stuck look, looking at their, phone. their phones. And I was, I don't want to say I was the only one, but I'm the only one that's sitting there going, that's Aquaman. Like, <laughs> yes. right, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was saying, How cool is like, that? Like, you got to look yeah. around, right? You got to look around. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so it was kind of, it was kind of interesting because that was one of, my, one of my takeaways. And my other takeaway was the homework I did afterwards I found out he's just a, a, kind of a fascinating human being. So if anybody knows him, I'd love to have him on my podcast because he is a major advocate for the environment and, and single-use plastic. Mm. And this will be a plug, shameless plug in here. I put it on LinkedIn. You know, you've done a lot here um, that has impacted not just the business that we do, not just the sales that we make, not just the, the lights that go off and on. But, I mean, you've looked at everything all the way down to working with the office manager t- management team to remove all the styrofoam and plastic cups and provide insulated aluminum, you know, water bottles and coffee cups to reduce the impact on the environment of the 250,000 cups that we went through. I mean, you've, you've done that. You worked with a team for that research to see, hey, how many cups did we buy that went in the landfill? Is there a way for us to prevent it? At a pretty exorbitant initial cost. I mean, it's going to save you t- money over time, but that wasn't the, the reason why we did it. You've done countless things like that, and it circles back to what you said. I don't want to be if I'm if I'm smarter than our developers, or if I'm smarter than any single department or box, yeah. we're screwed. I am the CEO, but I'm not the smartest guy in the room all the time, which is a huge misconception. Yeah. T- 
talk to me a little bit about trust. Because that's, I mean, you had to put trust in Dana or whoever, mm-hmm. Lynn and the, or, or Pam or whoever it was that, was that that came to you with that research. I mean, something as simple as that, you had to put trust in. They did their homework. They did their work. The information that they shared with you is accurate and right. And you'll stand in front of whoever you need to to share that story. Because that's really yeah. what you're... I don't want to say you're a storyteller, but you're you're a sharer of all of the stories collectively of this entire company. Yeah. How important is trust? Oh, it's uh, it's the core bedrock, and we've actually invested a lot of money um, at the leadership level, and, and you know, obviously, it'll cascade down um, as we as we get good at it. But just investing um, in training around trust. Um, uh, I want to. Uh, I'm going to hit that in a second. The uh, uh, I'm a collector and prioritizer of good ideas. I very few times have I been the one to say that's what we should do. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, I'll be in a meeting, or a dude, or a client, or someone will say, "Man, it'd be great if we could." dot 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 and you know we'll debate talk about it um and in the end it's like holy smokes that is a great idea we should probably do that and how does it sort of stack up in the priority um the the trust element um is is so critical um business life uh it's hard enough uh data flying at you, decisions you have to make, variables you can't control. But when you introduce the element of dishonesty or, or uh, motivational lapses, like I'm going to do this for mm-hmm. selfish reasons or whatever reasons, that's when s- stuff falls apart. And if uh, one person um, violates that trust barrier. What I've noticed uh, through my years of, of being around people and leading is, hey, once somebody breaks the seal, everybody armors up. And then that's when you start getting all sorts of politics and people polishing reports and not reporting bad information. And that's when companies, I think, start to fail. And if you can create an environment of trust, uh, and trustful debate, healthy conflict, as, as our coach Bud likes to tell us, um, uh, you can solve a lot of problems. And, um, you know, I don't want to be that leader where people are afraid to come up and say, dude, uh, this went sideways on us for fear of getting their head bit off. Now, there are times where I might be like, oh, crap, I can't believe that, you know, just a human reaction. But I never want people to be afraid of me making it personal, you know, you know, Josh, I can't believe you did that, you knucklehead, or, or you know, don't come to me with this bad information, uh, because that, that violates trust this direction. I often say to people, um, uh, if you try to blow one past me and BS me, it gives me the right to not trust you, therefore, therefore, word, same thing, if I blow one by you intentionally, or try to do that, and I do something dis- dishonest, you have the right to dis- distrust anything I do from that point out. And as CEO, people can't trust you. You're, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I was just doing a quick search just so that I had my, my accuracy because, you know, we've got some phenomenal people in this company. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
then I, I like I met with the group yesterday and, and they're telling me about their first job and everything. And then Isaac, who was one of my favorite people. I mean, just yep. absolute incredible human, hardworking, dedicated, yep. 22 years old. Yep. Right. Good. Yep. So when we talk about trust and, and to give perspective and we got to always put ourselves in everybody, this, this kind of multi-generational workforce today, um, a lot of people in the workforce don't know the story about Enron, don't mm-hmm. know the story about like uh, about the it. countless companies because they were 10, mm-hmm. right? But all of those companies, um, Tyco, um, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the countless companies that had happened in 2007, 2008, that their whole foundation and, and their, their ability to be this profitable beast of a, a business that everybody looked to, invested in, was built on mistrust. Yep. And th- it collapsed. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Those castles crumbled. And, you know, people, I mean, there were countless Enron executives that ended up committing suicide sure. uh, yeah. when, when all of that stuff happened. And so often, I think that people forget those stories. And a lot of times, like you say, sometimes what happens is one person does something that might not be trustworthy, and then someone says, well, it's okay because that person yep. did it or whatever it is. But that's that's got to be a, another incredible, not stress, I think you do it naturally, and I'm, I'm not I'm not stroking you because you're my boss saying it. But you, from day one, have had this. You know, if you want to tell me something, uh, it's a vault. I, yep. I, I I don't know what I don't know, and I'll do what I can. But if the, if you're just going to me as a soundboard for advice, or if you want mm-hmm. my opinion, I give it. I'll give it to you. And you and I, again, we've had a couple of, of occasions where we're out offsite go into a, a speaking engagement or something and we got deep into talk about about things and I have felt very much comfortable saying hey Ed this is what I think here's 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 where my challenge with what's yep. going on is and and I don't know that it means anything but this is how I feel this is emotionally how I feel not I don't expect you to do something and you put thought into it and you said hey don't worry about it it's it's with me it stays here but I totally understand where you're coming from yep. and I and I believe that and I think that that's something that is fairly unique. Sadly, it's fairly unique mm-hmm. to have that that trust. And I think one of the things behind that is, um, I, I, I'm trying to remember the shirt that you had made for everybody, the asset. Um, it's about the people. Um, yeah. Oh shoot! What was the tagline on that? Uh, people are ass- people are our essential asset. Yeah. Or like that. Yeah. People it was, are it was like our greatest asset. Yeah. 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 People are our greatest assets, or something, yeah. something like that. Because yeah, yeah. we have a product called Asset Essentials, yeah. or solution that's yeah. Asset Essentials. That that Dude, um, I think it was dudes are at, or essential assets, yes. or something like that. Um, and so, you've put that the the people are the most important piece mm-hmm. to the business, where most people would look at us as a tech business that sells software, and you know we've got all this stuff. You've always put people first. And I think that's important. I shared a little bit with you my three-ring binder I got. Yeah, that was so uh, cool. Yeah, so O.J. Mulkey, he's almost 90 years old. He started Gloria Stevens Figure Salons in the 70s. And he had over 10,000 employees at one point, 1.7 million members. Away. Yeah, w- women's figure salon. 187 salons, 1.7 million members, 10,000 employees, um, about $20 million in revenue in 1982 before he stepped down. And uh, he called me last month and he said that he wanted to give me his three-ring binder 
that was his in the seventies. It's from the. I mean, it smells like it's from the seventies. It's been. It's typewritten paper. <laughs> no, com, so no cool. computer or anything. Um, photocopied articles and his own self memoirs and motivation and notes and, notes and everything. And, yeah. yeah, and I've read it. I've read it front to back a couple of times. And the message in nineteen seventy two and seventy five is the same message we have here today which is the importance of people in your business being on board, being trustworthy, being trusted, and giving trust uh, to, to others, and that determination to win. Mm-hmm. And you've done a lot of those pieces. Um, where, did you, where do you see, where did, when did you say, you know, people are our greatest asset, dudes are our greatest yeah. asset. When in your life did you did you have that, did you have an aha moment? Did you know about it? Like, did you, were you born and said, people are our greatest asset and that's what we need to do? Did you have anything that happened in your life that's like? Um, you know, so uh, I think it's been an evolution process. If you would have met me and and people that know me from this period of time, say 2000 to say 2007, I'm not sure you'd, you'd be so kind um, with that statement around people being the asset. Um, I, I made a lot of mistakes on people, um, how I've conducted myself as a leader, um, treated people, and every every um, lesson has taught me to up my game and, and set expectations. The other thing I think it's going to be a little bit weird, at least for me, you know, I'm 55. Um, seems like as I get older, um, you know, I get a recognition that it's, you know, life is more about people. But I will say for the software space and the, the big aha moment is when you think about software, and I've said this in the building and, and maybe on another podcast or two, but when you think about software, it is the most people intrinsic business on the face of the planet. And I'll, I'll, I'll debate this with anybody who wants to get into it, but think about software. Ideas are created by people, alchemized to keyboards by people, marketed, sold, implemented, supported, um, invoiced, uh, anything that you can think of all by people and if you know sure technologies come and go and um, um, our uh, architecture platforms come and go and, and you know CPUs come and go but at the core element if you got good people they just adapt and move on and evolve if you don't get the people thing right it doesn't matter what kind of technology you have in the background it's just gonna flop so I, I've really learned the people is the, are the essential assets to a software space. Um, and I'd also um, just add that, like, I don't want anybody in this building to waste a calorie on trust issues. Um, back to that just for a second. Like, uh, this is hard enough. Like, we got competitors, we've got, you know, things that need done, things that are broken, things that need to be improved. And wasting one minute, one second on, well, what's that Jamoke over there doing, mm-hmm. you know? There's just no time for that. Yeah. Great, great uh, segue and point on that. How do you remove the noise? How do you remove the noise? Because there's a lot of it. Yeah. And you've probably been around a lot of it. 
And when you come into a situation, you know, dude started in 99. From 99 to 2014, we went from zero employees to 189 employees. From 2014 to 2019, and a third of that same amount of time, we went from 189 to 625. In the next three years, I mean, you've got some pretty ambitious goals mm -hmm. to take us to double or triple the, the headcount, double or triple the, the, uh, size, the size, everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that comes with, I mean, the, the amount of change we've had in the last 12 months is probably greater than the first 19 years. Mm -hmm. That creates a lot of noise. A lot of people leave. Yep. A lot of people come. Shift in shift in direction of of solution. Hey, we've been doing this for a long time, but we're going to go to this. A lot of noise. How do you how do you personally yep. remove it? And anything that you would say or suggest that people should consider to, to exercise in themselves to yeah. uh, to do it. Well, I I uh, I fail at noise containment like any other human being does, but I I do. Um, intentionally and purposely try to do a couple of things. One, um, make sure that I build a team of people that um, are self-winding, self-empowered, that um, prevent, um, only uh, bubble up the noise that I need to hear from their, like, hey, they're handling noise and their people are handling noise and their people are handling noise. Um, I also think, and I was talking about this with the, with a leader yesterday as well, I think as you go on up the food chain a little bit, you have to let go. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that, you know, maybe a frontline manager would be all over, like, I just have to ignore that because I can't, I, you know, in a company of, you know, I'm guessing we have a hundred managers, I can't worry about the same crap at the level that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I drive myself nuts, and instead of only getting you know five hours of sleep at night, I'd get two. You know, um, so compartmentalization. Um, and what I also do is I try to eliminate, like on my phone. If you looked at it right now, I have no social networking stuff on my phone. Um, I uh, have timers set on my iPad for things that if I exceed a certain amount of time say on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, it alarms me and shuts me down. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you're not allowed to do this unless you ask for special permission from the, from the application. And so I, those are little things I do. Self-policing um, social media, I yeah. love it. Well, you, you know, you get sucked into this vortex of, you know, who said what to who, and then you're reading all the comments. It's like, oh my gosh, I just looked up, I lost 27 <laughs> minutes of my life with no... It's like eating a bag of potato chips, right? Yeah. Um, so I think those are some of the things, but it really boils down to surrounding myself with people who then surround themselves with people that cut the noise factor down and only uh, then uh, is left stuff that as a CEO I need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. But I fail at it every day. Like there's certain things I shouldn't be paying attention to, but I do. Yeah. And I don't know why. Real Housewives is my <laughs> yeah. that, that gets me every time. If that's on and it's a new one. I got I, I got to see what's and going below on. Below deck is my yeah. Below deck's another <laughs> good one. one. Uh, you know one of the one of the things I was talking to one of our to a, a group of our uh, frontline foot soldiers in sales. You know young young yep. young folks that are just getting started. And you know one of them openly shared said, "Hey, you know the noise is the noise gets to me." Yeah. And you know one of the things that I share is. I never listened to I heard or did you hear. Mm -hmm. If you get into a conversation of did you hear, ask for validity. Yep. You know, ask for uh, confirmation that, 
hey, where did you hear that? Where are the facts coming from? I mean, th there's more to fake news than just our politics. And that's everywhere. And, you know, if it's on Facebook, it's fact, right? And, and it, most of the time it isn't. And, you know, one of the things with noise is what's important. Yeah. Right. What, totally. What's important? You know, we've had a couple of folks that, that have left. They've gone on to great, great opportunities. Right. What's important? What's right. important is they're happy. Mm -hmm. You know, and I try to tell Life's people too that. Short, man. Like, we're spending time consuming real estate in our brains about something that has no, no real reason or purpose for us, doesn't prove anything good. And in reality, if the other person, the other situation, whatever is fine, what does it really matter? Doesn't like, matter. what is it, where, where does that matter in the whole Doesn't matter to me, right? Yeah. Right. It's, you know, so, you know, that's kind of where I go with it is, mm -hmm. you know, if someone says you heard, yeah. take take it take it out you know i believe just about nothing that i hear and half of what i see and um and that's sadly the way that a lot of yeah. people have to be in situations it's a, it's a crazy noisy world we live in you you, know, you yeah. brought it up i mean there's more information flying around in an hour than probably flew around the world back in 1800 for a whole year right um hey by the way uh uh a great book. I've just read it twice in a row. Um, it's a book called Stillness is the Key by a guy named Ryan Holiday. For anybody who wants to contemplate um, noise and how to get more purposeful, um, I'm not Oprah and I don't have a book club, but I, I'd highly recommend Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. So and you got a couple other books by Ryan Holiday. Yeah, um, Ego is the Enemy. Ego is the Enemy. Away. Yeah, uh, which he tattooed Ego is the Enemy yeah. on his arm, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, I read both of those books. And I think he's based in Austin. I'm going yeah, there. Yeah, he is Austin. I'm going yeah. there in a couple of weeks. I'm going to reach out to him, see if he'll have a cup of coffee with me. I'd love to meet him. Hey, if you're listening by chance, Ryan, I'd probably <laughs> probably not, but if you are. You can send uh, me the book commission. I'll look too. you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get the book commission. Yeah, I bought the book. But you, you touch on something, and we'll wrap up here in a couple minutes because I know you've got to get to your, your day, day, day job of meetings and, and stuff here. So, um, But you mentioned something that's, that's kind of big on, on professional development. Just about every book that you've suggested to me, you know, Principles, Ego is the Enemy, uh, Marcus Aurelius, you know, all these, these different books that, uh, that you've suggested that I've read or listened to just about all, um, you read them multiple times. Yes. And sometimes multiple times in, the, in a year. Like, mm -hmm. wh why? Um, I can't remember the uh, famous person who said... Better to read one book 50 times than 50 individual books. And I, uh, I read that quote maybe two years ago, and, and um, it just hit. And so now I'm, I'm into reading books. Like I've read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius 12 times maybe. Ego's the Enemy probably six times. I back-to-back -back read Stillness is the Key twice in two weeks. And the reason I do that is... Um, repetition I catch things that I maybe uh, uh, I got squir you know, squirrel attention deficit you know squirrel when I was reading the book and didn't you know didn't finish a paragraph fully or maybe a point hits me differently and what I've found over the last two years is I'm more able to implement an idea that I might have read seven times 
versus, oh, that's an interesting idea. Move on to the next page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just, I, I, that triggered my brain because one of the first books, which I think was Ego is the Enemy, that, that I asked you, you know, what do you read? And you made a reference like, oh, I read this twice last year. And I'm sitting here saying, well, you are, what do you mean you read it twice last mm-hmm. year? And, and then over time, you would say, you know, yeah. I, I go back to this book and then you, you'll send me, you know, a, a page that's marked up pretty good and I'm different colored pens. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. did you run out of ink? It's, no, you read it two different yeah. times with two different pens. Yeah, and, uh, it's funny. Some of my books have like yellow highlight, blue highlight, pen, pencil, yeah. note. Like, it's not It's not a code. It's, no. it's just... You, I read it five times yeah. <laughs> and I had different things in my hand when I did it. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I just thought that, I think that's really cool and I think that that's a, a great takeaway for people which is, and that's a great, the great, you know, better to read one book fifty times than to read fifty books one time. And and I and I think there's something to be said about mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think I read somewhere that we we consume the content equivalent to about 176 newspapers a day on any given day. Like just some some mind blowing thing. I mean, when you think about, you know, well, we're we're sitting here and I'm doing a search for when did Enron collapse, and then I've yep. got all these articles in front of me, and I just consumed all of that where 15 years, 10, 10 years ago. I wouldn't have been able to do that in a matter of three seconds right. and consume that. And we don't think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my shirt. It says beawesome.com down here. It's pretty self-explanatory. I, my company's name is Be Awesome. And people say, well, where can I find you online? And it's like, uh, you just got to look here. And it's it, because, but we're so consumed with so much different content. I've, I've been learning and I'm going to learn more about digital dementia which is we're, we're getting so much that we have to re-scroll and re-scroll multiple times. Totally. Even though we see it and we capture it, we're going through so much stuff that it's gone in a matter of like two minutes. That's a great term. I mean, uh, you know, digitally induced attention deficit disorder. I think, you know, people are just so like their eyes shift from here to there. Stuff's popping up on your screen. You're hearing noise in the background. You have to really be intentional to like pay, you know, put your full focus on something. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. Uh, you know the the self the the the, uh, the self restraint you have to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll admit I've got LinkedIn on my phone, but I mean I'm doing I get more messages on LinkedIn than I get on my inbox at work. You know, at this point, yeah, I've got thousands of, of followers, and and I've got people that you know are taking in my content that want to. They don't want to make a comment publicly, so they send me a private message. And you know, I've, I've I'm doing a uh, um, I'm going to go around an elementary school in the dude suit and lead the parade, the Halloween parade, awesome. at the end of the month. And you know, the the client that that I've had for 15 years, he messages me on LinkedIn and not on my inbox. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. But I definitely can find myself. Um, you know, when the when the light goes off or no, I turn the notification off because as soon as that notification hits, I'm like, "What's going oh, on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what did I miss? Yeah. You know, I don't want to." We be, have a, yeah. one of the things I've done for meetings that I chair um, is a no tool rule. Yep. Keep your laptop shut unless we're doing a PowerPoint where you've got a, a Zoom connection. You know, that somebody yep. from a remote's bringing in. Keep your phones on the floor. Uh, we'll have ample breaks during this session, whatever. And the no tool rule. I put that in place, not because I just want to be a jerk and put rules down, but it's like, hey, we've got 10 people in this room, and if you add up the hourly rate just for the salaries, yeah. but then you think about the gravity of some of the decisions we're making, it's like 
pay freaking attention for the next 45 minutes. Get out of the phone. Yeah. Well, and that's Strickland down, by the way. Yeah. That, uh, I went to my mar- my first offsite marketing meeting now that I'm with, with Catherine and team. Yeah, she's and good she, at that. And, yeah, and she was like, phones face down, laptops closed, and unless you have something that you have to do, you know, yeah. please pr- please respect that. And I got to tell you, the interaction and the engagement, it, it, it is way better. Yeah. I failed. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I know the team sitting there like, well, Peach, in the first 10 minutes, you were outside on your phone. And yes, I was. But I'm a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> I, I often say, like, uh, privately, I don't do it to, to degrade people or anything, but like, hey, dude, I'm the CEO. I've got in, investors tagging me. I got clients tagging me. I got employees tagging me. Yeah. Uh, if I can put my phone down for 45 minutes to pay attention to this important thing, what's going on in your situation that's more important? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I did the Zappos uh, Insights training in mm-hmm. uh, Las Vegas, and and Zappos is a phenomenal company. Mm-hmm. I mean, five years ago, I, I never bought anything from them. And uh, what got awesome. what got me was a handwritten card from an order that uh, was mis- was a mistake from one of their employees. I'm like, wow, these online company, they're pretty cool. And so I got to go do a, a day workshop insight training over there. And I learned a lot about uh, Tony Shea, the, the uh, mm-hmm. CEO. I actually sent, he actually, if, if you email him, he's got, I think it's, it might be Tony at Zappos. It might be something as simple as that. But uh, you can get the CEO of, of Zappos email address and you can email him a request for their culture book. And you get a response back from his office. It's and, and it says Tony reads every single email. Da 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 da. And I'm sitting here going, that's open to anybody. You get it for free. They they actually have a press that's pressing out these really nice gold leaf, silver leaf books that's got their culture book with all their employees mm-hmm. in it. You get it free of charge. And he's reading every single email. And so I looked into his process. Multi billion. I mean, he's bought, bought from. Uh, yeah, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Bezos came in and said, "Hey, let's buy let's buy Zappos for like 1.8 billion dollars." Yeah. He's got all this stuff, and he uses a process called Yesterbox for his email. And Yesterbox is every morning wipes out his inbox completely, hmm. and then he has a, a process where every 15 minutes, I think it is, he checks his inbox and he puts it in two or three categories. The dump it, it's you know spam, or it's somebody requesting the culture book and doesn't need a response. Uh, attention for later, which will be next morning, where he'll clear it out, or immediate attention. And that's every 15 minutes. He just does a quick scan. Thank you very much. And I think he does, in the social, he does two two pick times in a day. And that's how he does it. Mm. As a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. So, like you say, if you can put your, if he can, if he can put his phone down and not look at it, but every 15, and he's got an alert. I think, right. I think, I think, I'm pretty sure that he's the one that's got an alert that every 15 minutes, bang, goes off, scan, move on. Um, people don't need to be married to that, right. uh, and I'm I'm learning from that. I used to have this instantaneous, um, you know, as soon as you get, and, and, I, and I'm noted. I, people noted for it. They're like, did you even? I, I mean, there's times that I I'm dialing people because they send me an email and I'm driving, and they're like, did you even get the email? Like, why are you calling? Because <laughs> yeah. it's that 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 instantaneous and fast. But there has to be a time to think, yeah. and there also has to be a time with all of this change that's happening that we really focus and dig into mm-hmm. what is it we're doing what do we want to try to do and this moment is great but we're looking at a lot of moments moving forward that we need to, yeah. to execute so I think that I think that while it's going to take maybe a little bit of time to embrace that that no tool rule I think is fantastic and I hope yep. that it sticks because like I said I'm a work in progress this was my first group meeting as the evangelist I've been kind of 
on my little island for the last four yeah. or five years. So it didn't matter when I looked at my phone. So when she did it, I'm like, I'm going to, I was like, yeah. how long till I'm gone? Like how long till I'm, I've got that thing that's happening that I'm going to go outside. And it was, it was, it was like 10 minutes. That's so um, but and I didn't create that rule. I actually worked for a CEO, a guy named Ewan Menzies at Vertifor and he had the no tool rule when he, the executive teams got together and yeah, the first time you're like, yeah, whatever. But then you're like, oh yeah, we get a lot more done in half the time where everybody's paying attention. Yep. Yeah, we're all rolling the boat together, yep. and we're all on the same page. Uh, so let's let's wrap it up. Any yeah. final words from you? Anything that? Uh, how can people get a hold of you? You got you do have a great LinkedIn presence. I mean, you've yeah, got you've got you. some incredible content. Um, Twitter, LinkedIn. For those that aren't, yeah, I spend most of my time on. Uh, my external uh, uh, work on social networking is almost 100% LinkedIn. It's Ed Rosich, R-O-S-H-I-T-S-H at LinkedIn. Um, thank you for that. Um, you know, email address ed.rosich at dudesolutions.com. Um, final words, no, I'm just very thankful uh, and grateful for Dude Nation, the employees here, uh, the 3.5 million people that log in, uh, trusting the dude, um, thankful for our investors. Uh, you know, not a day goes by that I'm not sincerely grateful for all the, the people that are threaded through this whole thing. Yeah. And we're hiring. And we're hiring. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one thing that we've consistently been doing, yeah. uh, as we've always, we've been hiring. So definitely if, uh, if you're looking for an opportunity, and we have offices now, yep. uh, we've made some acquisitions. So we're in we're in Toronto. We've got an office in Colorado. We've got an office in Palosbo. Is that Palosbo. how you say Palosbo? Suburb of Seattle. Well, yeah, it would, yeah, it's a long suburb of Seattle. But you know, we also have a very uh, open work from anywhere policy. If you're a rock star and can work remote, and it's a type of work that can be done remotely. If you're in Fargo, North Dakota, hallelujah, we can we can hire you if you're awesome. Yeah. So uh, if you're looking for, if you're looking for a change and having a purpose, a different purpose, or even exploring it, definitely reach out to uh, reach out to Ed and team. But definitely follow you on LinkedIn. Like you say, your your posts are um, it's very rare. And and why I'm glad I got to do this, dude. Who are you? And what do you do? Is and and it was interesting. Not to segue, but you know, Les Trackman, who we mm. we both know. You know, he, he, he pulled a he pulled an audible when I, you know, this is a successor CEO of multiple companies, positively impacted billions of dollars. And and he did what any great CEO or leader would do, which is what you did with your dude, who are you, what you do. It's you care more about the people and hearing what they have to say mm -hmm. than what you have to share or say or learn. And, hey, I'm not the creator of any of this. I just have a great team around me. Most people don't hear that. Um, so for me to be able to, to be able to sit here and talk to you and learn a little bit from you and share um, was was really great for me to be able to do and be the guy that that, that does it. So uh, hopefully uh, the listeners for Operate Intelligently get something out of this. It was great to be a part of that podcast here today. And for the Be Awesome listeners, uh, you know where to find me. It's uh, B-E-A-U-S-M.com. Email josh at beawesome.com. Uh, listen to the podcast, give a rating and review. I'll give you something. I got a couple coffee mugs left. I've got uh, some t-shirts. And if you want to do something really cool, uh, there's five days left for the uh, Natalia Strong t-shirts. I'm doing 100% of 100 t-shirts. That's 100% of the sale. Every, every penny of every sale for 100 shirts uh, we're going to give to the uh, third annual Natalia Strong Night 
for for uh, SMA, which is spinal muscular atrophy. That was uh, podcast 34. So hoping to raise some great money for uh, in the name of a phenomenal little two and a half year old that is uh, stronger than than most, and just uh, touched my heart when I got to meet her. So in the meantime, if you want to be awesome, you got to do awesome. Have a great day.